You know what? God is a miracle worker. And what we're going to look at today in Daniel chapter 10, I feel this message, this talk so passionately because there are those of you that are in this place right now that as we get a little bit deeper into this talk, we get a little bit deeper into this message, you're going to be like, this is for me. Uh, I've been praying this prayer. I've been trusting God. I need a miracle. I need God to show up in my life, and we're going to see God do that today. See, many of you that are here today, uh, you've got a great need in your life, and um, you've not been as hopeful maybe recently as you would like to be. Maybe you've been feeling like, you know what? My faith level is low. We've been talking about standing strong, but you may acknowledge that you're not feeling very strong right now. But I want you to know this. You are not alone and you are not forgotten and you are not helpless. God is with you and God wants to help you. And God has an answer to your prayer. I believe that. I believe that God has a miracle for you. Scores of you need a miracle. Scores of you need God to do something. Uh, you've been praying about your children, a child or your children, and you're like, God, I, I just, I'm asking you to do something powerful and supernatural in that situation. Or maybe it's been in your marriage, and you're like, God, uh, we need some help in our marriage. We need to get some help in our marriage. We need you to do something special and supernatural. We need you to rekindle our love once again. Or maybe you're saying, I need a miracle miracle in my health. I need God to heal my body. I need God to help me at my job. I need God to lift me out of this depression that I'm in. I need God to help me and to intervene in my finances. I need God to save my lost loved one that I've been praying for for a long time. I need God to bring freedom to me from the addictions and the habits that I have. I need God to help me to break out of my loneliness. And you know what, friends? God is able to do those things and so much more. And we're going to see that today. Our focus this morning is Daniel chapter 10. Last time that we were together and looking in Daniel, uh, this is our fourth week. If you're brand new, this is your first week. And we've got more, one more week to go, everybody. And I don't want you to miss next week. Uh, next week is another one of the classic stories out of Daniel. And I promise you that you will not, will not, will not want to miss it. So I'm going to encourage every one of you to be back next week. In fact, if you want to help a friend, I would bring a friend with with you next week, and they're going to be encouraged. But last time when we were together, we were looking at Daniel's life, and at that point, it was when he was thrown in the lion's den. And at that time, he was about 80 years of age. By the time we get to the chapter that we're in today, he is much older than the age of 80. And Daniel, for decades, think about this, for decades now, Daniel has been walking with God and standing strong in his relationship with God and praying to God. And one of the major prayers that Daniel's been praying all these years, if you remember from our very first time together, uh, we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar. Later, we saw that it was now King Darius. But in the early days, we know that Daniel, when he and his friends were only somewhere between 12 and 15 years of age, scholars believe, was taken from his homeland in Jerusalem, brought in. Remember this talk? The language and the literature of the Babylonians. We want you to think like we think. We want you to talk like we talk. We want you to act. And they were 
were taken captive. They were going to be brainwashed. They were going to be potential leaders in this Babylonian empire. And so all these years now have gone by since Daniel was a teenager. Now he's past his 80s. And a prayer, you talk about persistent praying for all these years. Daniel has been praying that one day that they would be released from their captivity, able to return to their homeland, and that the temple would be restored. Remember, I shared with you that Nebuchadnezzar, when he came in, he burned down their house of worship, and Daniel's been praying, God, let us be released from our captivity. And he understood that it wasn't going to benefit him now as an older man much, but the generations that have come after him, that it would, bener- uh, ven- uh, you know, it would benefit them by being able to go back to Jerusalem and the temple re- be restored, be back home. And he's been praying that prayer. So there's been a lot of hope And there's been a lot of optimism that has been playing out. And Daniel's starting to see that all of a sudden that these things are now more than ever becoming a reality. But then in the midst of all of this, and I hope you'll go back and read the whole story. I'm just going to hit some of the high points with you today. But in the midst of all of this, Daniel has a vision that is very alarming and is very disturbing to him. And when that happens, just like it always did for Daniel, it put him on his knees. He ramps up his prayer life. In fact, what, and you'll see this when you go back and read it, what Daniel does at that point when he gets this vision that is so alarming to him, what he does is he launches into an intense time of prayer and fasting. And he's going to do this again for 21 days. Hang in here with me and listen closely, all right? Because some of you are going to be like, what? Oh, what did you just say? And so I want you to listen really closely. If you started working on your grocery list, come back in, all right? If you're thinking about work tomorrow, because I know all of you are excited about work tomorrow, come back in, all right? Come back in, come back in, because I want you to hear this. I don't want you to miss it. At the end of 21 days, Daniel receives a visit. A visitor shows up. And this is no ordinary visitor. Uh, and there's a little bit of debate as to who it was, the visitor. Um, it was either an angelic being of some kind or what a lot of theologians believe is that it was actually a theophany. And you're like, what? What did he just say? It was a lot of scholars, a lot of theologians believe that it was actually uh, a theophany. How many of you want to, you like to learn something new every day? Wave your hand at me. Yeah, I do too. And so some of you know this, but some of you have never even heard this talked about, and I'll just hit it real quickly. Uh, A theophany was, and I'll just say it and then I'll explain it. Uh, A theophany was a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. And some of you are saying that doesn't help me any more than theophany. (laughs) All right, so let me take our theophany, a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. How many of you know, let me walk it out here. How many of you know that Jesus's life started way before Bethlehem? Way before Bethlehem. In fact, can I tell you that Jesus and the Holy Spirit was involved in creation? The triune Godhead existed at the time of creation all the way back in Genesis 1. And so God was from the beginning. In fact, and this blows my mind. I can't understand it. You asked me to explain it. I'm going to call on Dr. Hackett because I can't. So uh, God actually never had a beginning. You can't say, well, God began here. No, 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 no. God existed before there was a beginning. God has existed for all time. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, Jesus. But before Bethlehem in the Old Testament, occasionally there would be a theophany 
where Jesus, his presence would be manifested. Uh, the pre-incarnate, before his incarnational life ever began, there would be times. And, there's, and, and I don't know for certain, so I can't say I know for certain that it was Jesus, or I know for certain that it was an angelic being. But a lot of scholars, I'll tell you this, a lot of scholars believe it was a theophany. That it was actually Jesus, Jesus at best, who was appearing to Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, uh, before he was ever born in Bethlehem, or, you know, at the least, at the very least, it was an angelic being of some kind, all right? So take that into consideration, and with that, this is, a, this is a great, great passage. Daniel 10, let's look, beginning at verse 5. All right, here we go. Daniel, this is him talking. I looked up. Here's his visitor. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing. Now, you're about to see, this is no ordinary guy right here. With a belt of pure gold around his waist, his body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning. How many of you, you've never seen, have you seen anybody like that? I haven't recently. I've seen anger flash on people's face, but not a lightning. And his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze. And his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Can I just do a real quick time out? You know what this sounds a lot like? This sounds a lot like when the apostle John was describing Jesus in the book of Revelation. A lot like it. You compare it sometime. Look at the next part. Only I, I love this part, only I, Daniel, saw this vision, just me. It wasn't because he was the only one around. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. This presence is so powerful, so amazing, so strong that the guys who were with him just took off running. They split. They're gone. So he's like, I'm here by myself now. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. He said, my strength left me. My face grew deathly pale. This is no ordinary person. And I felt very weak. Look at the next part. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, this is why a lot of scholars would think this was more than just an angelic being, that this was uh, quite possibly, uh, again, a theophany, a pre-incarnational manifestation of Jesus. He said, when the voice spoke, I fainted. I fainted. I just passed out. And I lay there with my face to the ground. I'm just... I'm, I'm on my face. Uh, when he spoke to me, I'm gone. I'm out. Have you ever fainted? I've never fainted. I don't want to faint. I, I think it's cool to watch people faint. Uh, <laughs> but I've just never personally. And if you're prone to fainting and there's anything that I could do to bring you up and illustrate that, I think it would be helpful for everybody here. <laughs> but, man, when this voice, he's like, dude, I'm out of here. Boom. And, and he is on the ground on his face. Now, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I think that when you and I have a serious encounter with God, when you and I have a serious encounter with the Holy Spirit, when you and I have a serious encounter with Jesus, we're going to know it because it is so absolutely powerful. It's just so absolutely powerful. And, and I'm, I'm just telling you, I've not had those kind of experience only a small, small, small number of time. If you think that every time I get through reading my Bible and having my devotion, I'm just, I'm, I fainted, I'm on the floor, I'm out. You know, many times it's like, all right, 
I'm done with my devotions. I felt God spoke to me. I'm done with my prayer time. I've been able to communicate, listen to God. I feel invigorated. I feel strengthened spiritually. That's been really good for me. It's a discipline in my life. And, but you know what? If you're thinking it's like visions and I'm fainted, I'm on my face. No, a lot of times it's just like I take my Bible and I take my reading plan and I take away my tablet that I've been writing out my prayers and I just set it aside and, and I'm on to generally right after that working on the next talk for our services here. But I can tell you there's been some times in my life that, I mean, I wasn't like Daniel. I, I didn't faint, but, I mean, the presence and power of God was so strong in my life. I, I can remember, and it wasn't like I heard bells and whistles. It's not like I saw fireworks, but I will never, 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 never forget when I was 15 years of age and I gave my life to Jesus, and that's just one of those powerful, powerful occasions in my life that I'll never be able to shake, and I knew God. I'd grown up in church, but I was living a life that I knew was not pleasing to God, and I had all this guilt, all this shame, all this regret. Every night I'd lay down, and I was just like praying, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, knew that I was out of fellowship, out of step with God. But on that night when I recommitted my life to Jesus, 15 years of age, and I knew that it was sincere, and I knew that I'm all in 100% with Jesus for the rest of my life, I'm telling you, it's a night that I'll never forget. I'll never forget because I was pursuing business. I liked the idea of business in my mind. I had this great business plan, and, and uh I lived, lived in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia, a city that God has blessed in incredible ways and just like a, a holy land in America in itself. And you're not believing that, are you? So uh, I'm not even going to go there. But I just had this idea that I was going to start this business. I was going to learn. And then what I was going to do is I was going to add an employee and I was going to add an employee and I was going to add an employee. And then one day all over the metro Atlanta, my name, my vehicles, my business was going to be seen throughout the metro area. I had this great dream of how it was going to be. But God had a different idea for me, and he called me to do what I've been doing since I was in my early 20s. And I can remember, I can remember just falling. I mean, that, I was, I was, I didn't faint, but I was on my face before God, and it was like such a moment in my life where I'm just like face down. I'm sucking carpet, and I'm just like, I'm here, and this is all I prayed. And I said, God, I will do, I will do what you want me to do. And I got up within a matter of days. I'd called Southeastern University. I'd called my home pastor. And it wasn't, you know, we took some time, got things together. Brandon was already uh, born. We took a year. I did some, back then you could do Dr. Hackett, some correspondence work. So I knocked out six credit hours during that, uh, you know, while I was still in Atlanta. And I mean, I hit the ground running. I don't recommend it necessarily, but I completed my, my education in a little less than three years because I was at it. And I just said, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And it was just one of those on-your-face encounters with God. And I think that what flows out of the experience in these seven verses that we're about to dive into was incredibly hopeful and encouraging to Daniel, and it should be to us as well. So in the next few moments, and I want all of you to get this, uh, take your tablet, take your phone. If you can see well enough where you're at, uh, you can write some notes, but I want to give you three truths that all of us need to grasp right here out of Daniel chapter 10. And they're not, they're not mind-blowing in terms of they're simple, but they're powerful. They're simple, but they're powerful. Here's the first thing that we learn out of Daniel chapter 10. Always remember this. Here it is. God cares way more about you than you could ever imagine. That's what he says to Daniel. 
God cares way. The messenger, whether it's an angelic being of some sort or a theophany, a pre-incarnational manifestation of Jesus, we don't quite know. But nevertheless, there was a message that was to delivered to Daniel that let Daniel know, hey, God cares way more about you than you could ever comprehend. Look at these verses right here on the screen. Verses 10 and 11. Just then, you know, because he's passed out, you know, he's down on his face. Just then, a hand touched me, lifted me up. Look at this part. Uh, still trembling to my hands and my knees. So he's down on his, can you see this? I'm a guy that can see things in my mind. And he's down, you know, the, the voice speaks, boom, he's out. He's on his face. Now a hand touches him, starts raising him up. He's still shaking. He, I, I came out of a restaurant one time and there was a little dog tied to a newspaper stand and he was shaking just like this, like somebody's going to take him. Well, uh, that's a whole nother story. And so he, Daniel said, I'm still, I'm up on my hands and my knees, but I'm still shaking like, that little dog that I saw that time. And the man said to me, Daniel, look at this. Daniel, you are very precious to God. Do you know that's true for your life? You are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up now. You're off your face. You're at least on your hands and your knees. Go ahead and stand up for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up. What does he say? But I'm still shaking. I'm still trembling. But God's message has come to me. Daniel, you're precious to me. And I want every person in this theater right now to know that that is exactly how God feels about you. In fact, would you turn to the person next to you right now and, and say, you are precious to God. You are precious to God. By the way, if you're married to him, you can go ahead and say, and you're precious to me too. Just go ahead. You're precious. <laughs> If you're not married to him, don't do that. Don't, I, I don't want to deal with the ramifications of that after this service. All right, I just don't want. See, here's the reality. God, it's much bigger than God just liking you. It is much bigger than God just being kind to you or painfully tolerating you. Can I tell you this? And some of you need to hear it today. God is absolutely crazy about you. You may not feel that way, but it's true. God is crazy about you. He loves you. His appraisal of your value is incalculable. I mean, if you were to look it up like you do on your home, sometimes maybe you go to Zillow and you type in and you look, ooh, this is what my home is worth now or this is what it used to be worth and this is what my, I mean, if God were typing in your name and looking, how much are they worth? Incalculable. Can't even put a number on it. That's how God feels about you. And it's all because of him. I don't want you to feel proud and say, yeah, I knew it. I'm just a special kind of person, I guess. And, you know, that's, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. In fact, can I just tell you from my own personal vantage point, if I were counting on God loving me because I deserved it, if I were counting on me uh, being loved by God because I was faultless or because I was basically perfect, then I would be in a huge amount of trouble. This is what I know about me. This is what I know about me. God loves me. God loves me. Dot, dot, dot. Anyhow, anyhow, uh, you know, based on what I've done in the past, based on who I was before I came, God loves me anyhow. And there's nothing that I could do that would, doesn't mean God's happy with everything that I've ever done. You know, I, uh, I just had my grandkids. Have I mentioned that 17 times yet? <laughs> just had my grandkids down here. 
All right, so there's, uh, you know, family, those of you. Uh, the baby is Audrey. Audrey's married to Zeb. Um, he is an avid Florida Gator fan, but God is working on his heart. We believe there could be some transformation there. No, that is not going to happen. It is, uh, it's, that's pointless. So Audrey and Zeb, then, then Drew and Tabitha. Drew's the middle one. And Tabitha's grown up with horses. So long story short, she's still to this day. She loves horses. She races uh, competitively horses. Uh, I don't I forget barrel races. She does all of that, competitions and stuff. So uh, we wanted to take the grandkids over there and let them go on the horse. So uh, Kinley, Brody, Landry, we all go out. And so one by one, uh, you know, Brody, the two-year-old, he rides. In fact, it was funny. The horse, you know, is just walking. He's just two, so it's not galloping. But he just wanted, I guess he's seen TV. So the, the horse is basically doing like this. But Brody, he's doing this in his own body. He's like... Here we go. Here we go. You'd think it was running 40 miles an hour, and he's just, and the horse is like, and Brody's like, yeah, baby, come on. And then uh, Landry, she rides, she's four, and then Kenley, she rides, and they love it. And then we get off, and Kenley says, she doesn't have her shoes on. It's a little muddy out of the farm, out of the barn. And Kenley said, Papa, will you carry me? And I said, sure, I will, honey. She said, on your shoulders. I said, sure. And so I put her up on my shoulders. I'm walking around with her. And then we're walking around just looking at stuff at the farm. And then she takes this child. She, she is a true seller. She takes her jacket that she was wearing, and she throws it over my face. <laughs> she throws it over my face. And then I'm like... Uh, Kenley, honey, I can't see. She said, I know, Papa, I'll tell you where to go. <laughs> I said, really? I said, so she says, go this way. And she had, I guess the horse, she's thinking I'm now her horse. She had moved this way and I, I'd go this way. And, and, then, and, and, and then she said something. Now, I don't claim to have the spiritual gift of discernment, but when she said this, I stopped in my tracks. She's saying, go this way, go this way, go that way. And then I'm just at a point, and she said, this is her words. I can't see. She's on my shoulders, jacket in front of my face. I'm holding her little ankles like this, and I've been walking this way, this way. And then she says, okay, now walk straight, Papa. And I froze. Discernment kicked in. And I lifted up that because I'm like, why did she just say, now go straight, Papa? And I lifted up the jacket and looked, and four feet away from me was the biggest pile of horse poop you've ever seen <laughs> in your whole life. And my grandbaby is about to walk me right through it. What is wrong with that child? And she still laughs about it. I, I said to her on the phone the other day, I can't believe that you, ha, 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 ha. She's just loving it. Now, let me just say this. Even if I'd walked through that horse poop and she had been the cause of it, would I have loved that little girl any less? No, I would have thrown out my shoes, but I wouldn't have loved her any less because there's nothing she could do that would make me stop loving her. See, there's nothing you could do. There's nothing you've ever done. There's nothing you're currently doing that would cause God to love you any less than the perfect love that he already has for you right now. But again, I want to be clear. That does not mean that God likes what you might be doing or what you have done in the past. It just means that God doesn't love you because of you. God loves you because of him. And God says, listen, the messenger came, angelic being, uh, Jesus pre-incarnate, uh, doesn't really matter at this point. The reality is there was a message from God. You, Daniel, are precious to God. And to every one of you, every one of you, every one of you, you are precious to God. Secondly, God is doing way more than you could ever imagine. God is up to stuff that you can't even see. 
See, you and I can see in the physical, the tangible. We can't see what's happening in the heavenlies. We can't see what's happening that is just as real as this world, but it's completely invisible to us. What I'm about to show you here in Daniel chapter 10 is absolutely incredible. You got to see it. Look at it with me. Here we go. Then he said, the visitor says, don't be afraid, Daniel. Daniel's like, right, I just fainted. Didn't you see me? I was just passed out. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since, look at this. Say these three words with me. Second line, since the first day, say them again, the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, since the first day, your request has been heard in heaven. I've come in answer to your prayer. Look at the next part. But for 21 days, the spirit, this is like, ooh, this is strange. This is weird right here. I'll explain in just a moment. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, one of the good angels, one of God's angels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And you're like, ooh, dude, what's that about? All right. Now, look again at these two phrases, or, or, or just listen to them, because, or, unless the guys can go back. But there's two phrases that I believe are going to encourage you. And the phrases were this, since the first day, since the first day, and the second phrase, your request has been heard in heaven. I want to ask you right now to stop whatever you're thinking about, whatever your mind is reaching for, and I want to ask you this question, what have you been praying for? What have you been praying for? Maybe it has been your child. Maybe it has been your spouse. Maybe it's been your parents. Maybe it's been your health or your healing. Maybe it's been your job. Maybe it's been your addiction. I want you to know this, that God heard your prayer the very first day you prayed it. See, our problem, and I wish I had more time to talk about it, but we've got a third point I've got to get to before we're done. But here's... Because, let me just say it this way. Because you don't see God working right now doesn't mean that God is not working right now. I prayed for my dad to become a Christian for over 20 years, and I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit. I'm like, I felt at times, and uh, like, I, God, why do I keep praying for my dad? He's not only getting better. It seems like he's getting worse. And why do I keep praying for my dad? You know why? Because I believe, and I don't understand. You know what? I wanted God to save him the first day that I prayed for him. But I prayed that prayer constantly for over 20 years. I didn't understand why it didn't happen. But it doesn't, doesn't mean that God wasn't working. One, on day one, the very first time that you and I prayed that prayer, whatever that prayer was uh, that we prayed, it says since the first time, please hear what I'm about to say. Listen, I'm going to say it two or three times intentionally. I want you to hear this. I do not have to fully understand God's timing to fully trust God. You with me? I do not have to fully understand God's, God's timing because I don't, by the way, to fully trust in God. See, I can't explain delays. I can't. I can't. I, I won't even try to, you know, I, I, do, I do know this. This is what I do know, and I'll tell you this. I do know um, that people can be resistant to God. See, you can pray for, like I did for my dad, uh, year after year. Maybe you're praying for your spouse. Maybe you're praying for your kids. Maybe you're praying for your dad or your mom or your friend that they would come to know Christ. And this is what I know. I wanted them to be saved, my dad to be saved. I know that it's not God's will that any person would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So I already fundamentally understood God wanted my dad to be saved. So what's the problem with God? No, nope, that was God's will that my dad would be saved. Did I want my dad to be saved? 
Yep, I wanted God to save my dad. You know where the problem was? My dad. He was resistant. He was, it wasn't a problem with God. Why would I have got mad at God? God would say like, come on, you know, you know better than that, Jeff. I want him to be saved, but he's got to open his heart. I created him with a free will. Does that make sense? Wave your hand at me like that. So God was doing his part. I think on my part, I was doing the best I understood how to do. But sometimes people are resistant to God's plan and will. You know what I found? Sometimes God doesn't answer my prayer in 21 days or maybe 21 months. But this is what I know. There are times in my life that God is wanting to strengthen and grow my faith. Do you do everything for your kids the moment they ask you to do it? I hope not. Are there brats? The moment they get it off, oh, yeah, here it is. Then you create a brat. And we don't always get exactly. Sometimes God wants to just grow our faith, expand our faith. Sometimes, and this is part that I'm going to touch on before we're done, sometimes the devil and his angels are, are, are being preemptive, are working behind the scenes. Now, I know this sounds totally bizarre. You saw it just a moment ago. But do you recall the language of verse 13? It was just on the screen. When it says, for 21 days, the spirit prince, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Now, there's a lot I could say about that, but I've got one more point. But, so I want to just wrap, wrap this number two up by saying it this way. Uh, this is not a reference when this angelic being or this pre-incarnational Jesus made this statement to Daniel. Hey, for 21 days, while you were praying, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. That is not a reference to a person. That is a reference to an evil or demonic spirit. And you say, some of you are like, Jeff, come on, man. Do you really believe in that stuff? Absolutely. You know why I believe in that stuff? Because I believe in the Bible. The Bible says that stuff is real. Paul said it in the New Testament. He said, we don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual forces. That's our battle. See, a lot of the battle that you and I have going on, we can't even see it. How many of you know I'm telling you the truth? Wave at me like this. And some of you are saying, you are so bizarre, Jeff. I knew you were messed up. You have just confirmed it. <laughs> but I believe, I believe there's a devil because the Bible says there was a devil. And I believe that there are demonic spirits who work in collaboration with the devil because when the devil was kicked out of heaven because he actually wanted to be God, there were other, other angels who were initially good angels, that's the best way I know how to say it, that were kicked out with the devil. And so since that time, they've been working against God and the purposes of God. And as I've mentioned here before, because you belong to God, you're hated by the devil. And he wants to be preemptive and preventive of what God wants to bring to pass in your life. So sometimes when a prayer is not being answered, it's, it may be that the person is simply resistant. It may be that God is wanting to grow and strengthen your faith. Or it may be that the, the devil is working overtime to try to prevent what God wants to come. Now, was it ultimately prevented? No. But was there a delay? There was absolutely a delay. Now, thirdly and finally, and I'll hit this one quickly. God proves to us his power in spite of our weakness. God proves to us that he's powerful even when you and I feel weak. That's another thing Paul said. Paul said, when I'm weak, God's strong. He manifests. He, in fact, it's, it's, the language is he perfects his strength in the area where I'm weak. See, where you're weak right now, and everybody has a weakness. Everybody has a weakness. Everybody has a weakness. But it's in that area. And you may give up and just say, I'm so weak, it's not even worth fighting for. But the fact of the matter in is where you're weak, God is able to manifest his strength on your behalf. Look at Daniel. These three verses, actually two and a half, is the A part of verse 19. 
Verse 17, how can someone, uh, this is again leads us to believe, maybe it is a theophany, look at the language. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? How can I even talk to you, have a conversation with you? My strength is gone and I can hardly, uh, I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again. Look at this, read it with me. And I felt my strength returning. I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said. He said it again. And he says this again. For you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. I know this morning, as well as I know my name and address and every member of my family, I know that some of you feel like you've got nothing left. There's nothing left in the tank. I know that there are many of you that are here today that your faith, uh, your faith is weak. When you see in the Bible that it says if our faith is the size of a mustard seed, tiny little bitty seed, you say, well, that's good because that's about all the faith I've got because your faith feels weak. Maybe you feel like your prayers are being ignored. God, why is my dad coming to you? God, I've been praying about this. I've been talking month after month, month after month. I think I'll just quit. I think I'll give up. Is this a lost cause? And you may feel like your prayers are being ignored. You may feel that your strength is gone. You may feel that your battle is never ending. I can tell you, I recently shared with you, I've got a family member in the state of Florida, another city that has struggled with alcoholism for a long, long time, 20 plus years. I'm happy to tell you that for about 30 plus days now, he has been completely sober. 20 years, 30 days, completely sober. I've got another family member who has struggled with an addiction for many, many years for about 17 days now, not even touched it. Don't tell me God doesn't answer prayer. And it didn't happen immediately, but you're, you may feel like your battle is never ending. You, you may feel like your situation, not at somebody else's, but your situation is hopeless. But as we close, this is what I want you to know. God loves you. God cares about you. And even though you cannot see it, he is working powerfully and supernaturally behind the, the scenes of your life to bring to pass his will. One more verse, and I want you to read it with me. Michelle is coming to play, and here's what we're about to do. But before we do it, I want you to read this verse. Everybody, start to finish. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Here's what I want you to do. If you have been praying a prayer or prayers, and it's been heavy on your heart, and you've not had an answer yet. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to do it that simple. One, two, three. See, if, this is what I know about our human condition. If I've got to beg you to stand to your feet, you're not serious anyhow. But if you've been praying a prayer and you're going to stand and say, you know what? I may feel that my tank is empty, but I'm not giving up. I am not giving up. The very first day I started praying about this, God heard it. I don't have my answer yet, but I believe my answer is on the way. You may not have received your miracle yet, but it does not mean that your miracle is not coming. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't faint. Don't be weary and well-doing. Your miracle may have not come yet, but that does not mean that it is not on the way because God is working powerfully and supernaturally behind the scenes of your life to bring something to pass that you can't even see yet. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you've been praying a prayer, you need a miracle. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to count to three. If I've got to talk you into it, stay in your seat. One, two, three. Just stand up if that's you. Just stand. Boom. Just stand up. Stand up if that's you. All right? Somebody's near you, I want you to just walk over to them right now. 
And you don't have to know. You don't have to have a conversation. Just put your hand on their shoulder, and we're going to pray a lot of collective prayers right here, right now. Just walk over to them. If you can get to them, you can put your hand on their shoulder. Just walk over near them. Father, we're believing you for miracles right now. God, we believe. This is what we know. Every person standing in this place right now is precious to you. You love them. You care about them. Every person that is standing here right now, you are already working behind the scenes of their life. You are already working. The very first time they prayed that prayer, the very first hour they needed that miracle, you are already busy at work. And Father, we just pray that they will not faint, that they will not give up, that they will not grow weary, but that they will hang in there and trust you because you have said to them, you are precious to me. I don't want you to be afraid. Your strength is coming back. Your strength is returning. You are going to get an answer to your prayer. God is working in your life, even though you don't even know it yet. And Father, we receive this. We don't see it. That's why our faith kicks in. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We've not yet seen it, but we we believe it's on the way. We don't understand delays, and we don't understand your timing, but we still trust in you. We still trust in you. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And let's put our hands together and give Jesus some praise. Can we do it? We bless your name. God, by faith, we receive the answer. By faith, we receive the miracle that you have for us. If you'll do it for Daniel, you'll do it for us because you love us. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody besides me, so glad you came to church today. I'm glad I came to church today. And God has met us here. I love you, everybody. Have an awesome week. Don't miss next Sunday. See you then.